Hey everyone, welcome to This is Steph Sober, a weekly podcast for those in need of some sober support. I'm your host, Steph, and in this episode, I have a chat with Daniel Patterson. You may know him as Patterson Perspective on TikTok or Instagram. I first came across Daniel in my early sober days scrolling through TikTok. And because he's a fellow anxious human, I instantly related to his content. And it helped me see that self-medicating my anxiety with alcohol was definitely not the answer. When he's not inspiring us all on social media, he co-hosts a podcast with his friend Jenna. It's called Sobriety Uncensored, and it's one of my favorites. So you can imagine, I was really, really thrilled to invite him on and have him as a guest. Daniel, thank you. I genuinely had so much fun chatting with you, and I'm stoked to share this conversation with the listeners. You guys are all in for a treat, let me tell you. This is Daniel Sober. I've been following you since my Sober Curious days. Oh, so I feel like I have a little bit of an advantage because I I feel like I've known you a while and like what right. you're about. Sure, sure. Um, And Jenna as well. And I think the algorithm gave me Jenna because I was following you type of a thing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. But um, the universe works in mysterious ways. It. I love the universe. Love the universe. Um, so I mean, I don't even know where to start with you. I have like all these notes. I'm like, oh my gosh, where do we start? We just start. We just start talking. I just have so much that I want to like pick your brain about, but let's just start with anxiety. Yeah. Welcome to the Um, shit show. You know, I listened to your episode. I think it was 25 with Jenna, where you were talking about your anxiety. Yeah. And there, I found it interesting because you had anxiety before you became a heavy drinker yes. as you talked about. And for me, I didn't have anxiety be- until I became a heavy drinker. Oh, So as a result of the drinking, yeah, was it rebound anxiety? Like you got yeah. it because you weren't drinking. Yeah. I was a binge drinker. So, and I, it took me 17 years. I'm a very slow learner. Um, 17 years to connect the dots. Yeah. That sounds about right. Very similar to me. I didn't quit until I was 35 and I started when I was about 16. Mm-hmm. So, um, and those boomerang benders, I call them, um, is what really, so I already had anxiety, have anxiety. I'm still anxious all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would be bookended by the anxiety that's caused by alcohol. So it was like double the fun, but yeah. boomerang benders would be like, you know, I would drink because I was anxious. It's like throwing a boomerang and I would feel less anxious and then it would come back and smack me in the face. It would be like times two. So yeah, anxiety is, is no joke in my opinion. It's been a real battle. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel for you because you quit drinking, but like you said, you still battle it. Yeah. And I did, don't. Did yours, oh, yours went away. That's so good. I know. But I think that I think that's good for people to know because it is a lot of the mental health uh, issues that people are experiencing when drinking is from drinking. You know, it's like the depression, the anxiety, all of the chaos and drama. That's a direct deposit into your chaotic bank account from vodka, in my case. Um, but uh, my anxiety is like ten times easier to manage than yeah. it was when I, yeah, when I, I was mean, your medication least, probably is a little bit more effective. Well, it actually works. So there's yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It works. And, um, I remember things I did, so that's fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not, not necessarily apologizing as much. Um, although I still, you know, say mm-hmm, things mm-hmm. I don't mean sometimes, but, or I mean, but I shouldn't have said Mm-hmm. either way. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think that um, being sober eliminates mental health. No, completely, because the human experience is still the human experience. And my genetic loading is still my genetic loading. I just eliminated a major contributing factor to my anxiety and my depression, which was drinking every single day. Yeah. 
Yeah. And that's what I love about having this conversation with you because, you know, I've, I've, I don't want people to think, oh, I'm going to quit drinking. Like Stephanie said that she quit drinking and her anxiety went away. And I don't want them to think like, but it could, but it very well could, it could happen. Why wouldn't you try? Right. Like, why wouldn't you try? Why make life harder? Really? I mean, I get it because I was on that cycle, that, that boomerang. I love how you describe that. I mean, I was literally anxious, having panic attacks throughout the day and then drinking at night just so that I could calm down and right. get some rest and get some sleep. Well, let me ask you a question though. Yeah. Did your anxiety go away right away when you quit drinking? Oh, or no. t- okay. So, and I think that's the important footnote mm-hmm. is that I think people will get much more anxious when they first stop. Who is bad. Yeah. And then they'll be like, I thought I wasn't going to be anxious. This is mm-hmm. bullshit. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, no, 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 no. It takes, you know, you have to reset your brain. You have to reset your body and it takes time. Yeah. And for me, it was like a withdrawal symptom, basically. Totally. You know, I would say it was about 60 days when yeah. I when I finally, and it wasn't like, boom, gone. It was like a gradual, my, my panic and anxiety attack attacks got fewer and far between until one day I was in a situation where normally it would like hit me and I would have a panic attack and I'm going, Oh, wow. You know, I haven't, I haven't had that in a while. You know, right. like one of those type of things. Yeah, it's kind of like when you realize you're not thinking about drinking anymore. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But in the beginning, Oh my God, it was awful. But I educated, like I am a research person. I don't do anything until I've like researched it and figured out if it's really going to help. And when I, you know, part of connecting the dots with the anxiety and alcohol was me Googling, does alcohol cause anxiety? <laughs> was it like, uh, no shit. Yeah. And you know, when you Google something and you're like, you can always find something that will say the opposite. No. Yeah. You can, yeah. You I, can usually find something yeah. you're like deep in a Reddit thread trying to find <laughs> proof. of. Life. It was such a rabbit hole, but I couldn't find anything to tell me, no, keep drinking. It's fine. Right. So it was just, I knew it was going to get worse before it got better. And I think that's another, I love that you brought that up. Cause I think that's another thing that we have to make sure people understand when they're listening to podcasts like this, like it's not going to just be like, okay, you're cured. You're good. No. And alcohol is all about instant gratification and mm-hmm. our brains, just the way that we're wired, even like TikTok, Instagram, all of it, like mm-hmm. the instant gratification. And so that first feeling of, of alcohol is, you know, was wonderful really um mm-hmm. not to trigger anyone but right. the second sip on was fucking bullshit and then when i stopped drinking i wanted that same magic cure i wanted it to be over immediately and it took a while for the bus to stop rolling mm-hmm. before it let me off mm-hmm. and now i just walk you know, like walk around with my little like to go bag of anxiety it's it's easier to manage go bag. Yeah, it's like you didn't quite finish your dinner. So you have that like <laughs> random to go bag, but you still have errands to run. So you just have like this random, like, I need to get this into the fridge. Like it's smelling up your backseat. Yeah, your like it smells, it smells good, but also like you like have 30 minutes before it needs to get into the fridge, but you got to stop at Target. That is my anxiety. And it just comes with me wherever I go. And it smells, I can smell it like, oh, yeah, it smells like warm anxiety. Oh. <laughs> It's how I describe it. I love or it. How I just did describe it. How you did describe it. And it's like very relatable. I mean, I feel as as if my anxiety, like I said, it's gone, but I still feel anxious from time to time. Well, yeah. I mean, I think ang- ang- being anxious, feeling anxious is, is normal. And it's yeah. not the same as having a an- clinical anxiety. Yeah. I think being anxious about certain things or having a healthy sense of paranoia is keeps us surviving. Yeah. Yeah. Keeps us safe. Yeah. Well, for me too, is like anxiety, excitement. I get confused with anxiety sometimes too. Yeah. Anticipation. Well, I numbed my feelings for, I started drinking at 14 and Uh never wanted to feel anything bad. But then what I did is baselined all my feelings. So I really just was like getting through life without like any extreme emotion. And so like excitement felt like anxiety. So I would drink that away. So now I'm like learning when I'm excited about something, I have to like tell myself like, you're not anxious. 
even though it kind of it can kind of feel the same a yeah it's bit, very sim- you know? similar yeah and i have to just say i'm just excited like i'm not anxious like don't go down that road go down the road of like you're excited about like this is fun this is exciting this is new yeah opportunity uh-huh uh-huh it's it it hits different um i still you know can i can tell the difference i mean i have anxiety and then but before i go give a speech i might right when i first step on the stage i'll feel anxious for a minute before i start before i start speaking and then usually it calms down um and i don't think about it again i'm probably the least anxious actually when i am podcasting or recording a tiktok mm. or speaking or performing in some sort of way then when I'm just like doing the dishes, thinking about <laughs> all of the shit that can go wrong or in, remember in third grade when you, mm. when you did that, like we should mm-hmm. think about that right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as we're trying to clean. And I'm just like, why? We've already thought about that. Yeah. So it's, it's I love wild. that you just brought up your public speaking because I, I really um, I'm curious. Yeah how that goes because i can't even imagine i mean as an as someone that uh, no i just like <laughs> i got used to it because i was a, a teacher okay uh, so i was a teacher for, t- mm-hmm. for 10 years and then i was a high school assistant principal so every i just you just get used to speaking in front of a lot of people and as a high school administrator too every morning i'm like good morning welcome you know doing the morning announcements all fucking hungover um <laughs> Uh, JK, I was only really drinking the the first year I was administrator. The other ones I was, uh, well, I don't think I'm doing my math correctly, but you get the point. Yeah. Uh, that's where I, you know, did it. It still scares me, but I just do it scared. Mm. Um, as my friend Elise Myers would say, like, mm-hmm. just do it scared. Um, and I do. And every time I do it, it gets a little bit easier I was thrown to the wolves though, because the first time I ever appeared on any, anything really was a national cable morning show live. And it was, this was in 2018. Um, So I was two and a half years sober, but I had never done anything. And I was like on um, one of the morning shows. Um, and I threw up right after because I was so nervous. Oh my god! Because <laughs> I couldn't you threw sleep up after. Like, yeah, because I couldn't sleep um, because I it was East Coast time, so I had to get up at like two thirty and then drive to LA and then get on the studio and did hair and makeup and then sound check and everything. And I think I went on at like five thirty California time, but because I had to like leave my house, they had a car pick me up at two thirty in the morning. There was no way I was going to get to sleep. No. So it was like sleep deprivation, total anxiety, no vodka blanket. Um, right. So once I got through that, I was like, okay, well, then the next one felt a little bit easier because it wasn't so whatever. But well, you yeah, knew I, what to expect. Yeah, I, sort of. That's but I the still... problem with me. If I don't know what to expect, I will create some really fun scenarios. Well, yeah, catastrophic thinking is, yeah. a, is a hobby of mine, um, but I don't. When I'm speaking, I feel that's when I feel the most free. Um, mm. And I kind of have what I call traumedy is I talk, talk about all of my trauma, but I do it through comedy. And that's how I connect with my audience to land whatever message I'm trying to land for that particular group of people. Yeah. Well, it worked with me because I am the same way, like <laughs> kind of like to poke fun of things. Yeah. It's probably, you know what? I'm not going to say that. I was going to say it's probably like, is that a healthy way to do things? No, I'm not going to say it's not a healthy way to do things. I think if it's the, if it is what works for you. It's a coping skill. It is. I don't think humor is a bad coping skill. I think if it's your only coping skill, it's probably not going to (laughs) be very sustainable. Um, But at some point I needed to allow myself to look back at the shit show that was my Mm -hmm. childhood and I had many great parts of my childhood. Don't get me wrong. I think people get that twisted when I talk about trauma and childhood. It sounds like it was all bad. Um, but some of those things that I did or said or situations I was in, they're just, they're funny. They're funny. And I, I'm going to laugh about them because 
I've fucking therapied them mm. to death. So we're going to laugh now. It's time to laugh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I, when I, when I reflect on my, on my drinking days, bringing the humor side in, you know, I used to joke, I would, there was, I think I knew I had a problem. I think I knew I had a problem. You but think I, you did or you did? I don't think I, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Well, I think I think there was a part of me that knew, and that was the part that joked around about my drinking. Right. To right. I was the one making it, TikToks yeah. about mommy needing wine and making. Oh, a, really? Oh, yeah. Oh. I would make jokes about my drinking, but I think looking at it now, reflecting, it was like a really weird cry for help. Yeah, it like, could be. I found a Snapchat that I saved that I sent to a friend and I was extremely hungover and I put that goofy like filter where like your mouth goes like this and it like oh, disguises yeah. your voice. Cause I looked like complete shit. So I didn't even want to like, and I was talking to her, I was drinking a bloody Mary and I was like, this is who I am now. I stayed up all night drinking and now this is who I am. I have to have a bloody Mary at 10 in the morning just to function. And I was making light of it. But when I watched it sober, it, it like brought me to tears. Cause I'm going, yeah, that girl was like saying, help me. But she, because I added a layer of humor to it, they're just like, oh, she's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely use uses using humor as as defense to pain. Um, I mean, I would make fun of sober people all the time, like mm -hmm. or or even in my head, just being like, God, dude, they're so like boring lame fake mm -hmm. happy and mm -hmm. just what a way to live gross you know um judginess to protect my own to insulate the the knowledge that i had that i had a problem i was well aware i had a problem i didn't care i had a problem mm -hmm. until the last several years when i began to try to what i call land the plane like try to figure out how to how do I land the plane? I'm at 30,000 feet. It's really, really turbulent. And um, I don't want to be here anymore. But I, it still took me an additional few years to figure out how to actually get to the ground safely. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. I love your analogy of land the plane and you have your merch with the yeah, shirt and all I that. Do. And it, I was like cracking up because I have this analogy about a plane as well when it comes to the end of my drinking days, but mine was because my anxiety attacks and stuff had gotten so bad. Like I was like literally wanting to crawl out of my skin and like I couldn't function. I had a hard time going anywhere or doing anything. So I always said my, my sobriety always felt like jumping out of a burning airplane and just yeah. hoping that the parachute was going to open. Cause that's what it yeah. felt like. Like I had to get out of the burning plane, but I didn't know what the hell was going to happen once I jumped. Totally. Yeah, decision before provision. And I think mm -hmm. that's where people get stuck. I know I was stuck. I wanted guarantees of what sobriety would look like. I wanted guarantees of what my mental health would look like. I would yeah. Google, like, how much weight will I lose? All the fucking <laughs> bullshit, right? You know, I wanted to know. I wanted a roadmap. Receipts. And, I need the receipts right yeah, now. Yeah, and so many yeah. people, they want to know exactly what it's like, which is social media is wonderful for mm -hmm. encouraging and inspiring and motivating and connecting, but it's really important to understand that nobody's journey is going to look like anyone else's. It's not a carbon copy. Um, and so, yeah, some people need to just jump out of the plane. My plane just crashed, you know, it just fell to the ground on new year's day of 2015 out of the air. I was circling the airport and it ran out of gas and I just fucking boom. And I've been, Tell me more about that day. Oh God. New Year's day 20. So New Year's Eve, 2014, my daughter was three. I only had, I have three kids. I only had one mm -hmm. and we went out to dinner and this is the TikTok that went so viral of mine, which is so funny because I'll never live it down. But I, I was drinking white wine because I was like, I'm not going to drink vodka. I'm going to drink white wine because there's less alcohol in it. And I'm moderating now. Uh -huh. Um, sounds, I drink. Sounds right. Yeah. So I get home. I've had a few glasses of wine at dinner, get home, have a, two more bottles of wine. Mm. And then we have to get up and go to breakfast the next morning on New Year's Day at Norm's Diner 
and it was real steamy and eggy and crowded and early. And I started, I started hallucinating. I had, I had auditory hallucinations um, and went to my car and there's a whole, there's a whole story about it, but essentially I was hallucinating is the bottom line. And it scared me. So I go to the doctor and why are you here hallucinating? Um, why are you hallucinating? Well, super, I'm having an anxiety attack. I'm super hungover. I'm super anxious. Um, and then, well, you need to stop drinking and here's some medicine to stop drinking. And so I committed to not drink for 30 days because I obviously didn't want to be hallucinating. Right. And I had already known I needed to stop. And this was one of the first time that I actually listened to the logic of, okay, if this happens, then if you cross this line, then you need to stop. Um, but I still had full intention of drinking again. I was just going to prove to everyone that I didn't have a problem. Yep. And then I was too scared uh, on February 1st to quit, to quit the quitting, to drink mm-hmm. again. I was like mm-hmm. horrified. And so my, my sobriety started very unofficially, very unexpectedly, very abruptly after spending just years considering it. It's like the universe just was like, you know what, Daniel, we're fucking sick of hearing about you and your thoughts. So just brash. Yeah. That's, that's how it all started. Wow. Hallucination. Yeah. It's casual. You know, the last time I, well, I shouldn't say the last time, like I hallucinate all the time. (laughs) The last time. Last time I had a, I had a hallucination audible um, in the, like okay in the spirit of 420 as we record this oh yeah that's true towards the end of my drinking career the alcohol really wasn't doing much for me anymore so i decided to experiment with edibles yeah i feel like that's part of the starter pack of sobriety is that you try to trade out alcohol for weed okay thank you for saying that okay because i've never actually this is this i've never shared this like oh yeah no this is i've i tried to i recorded an episode with jenna on our podcast about this, I tried to be a stoner. Mm. Um, I'm like, if I can just smoke weed, it'll be so much easier. Um, I could not smoke weed, spoiler. Um, and so, but yes, I feel you on that one. I didn't mean to cut you off. So you're no, smoking weed and you're hallucinating. Let's hear it. I So Easter. Ah! Why not? Why not? Why, right? Why not? To be three Easter bunnies. Yeah. And uh, my husband joined in with the fun and we had a couple that we knew they were over so we all we all did this it was (laughs) the most traumatic event of my life and the thing is this is i did it i did it several times after this and i shouldn't have i should have learned slow learner once again i i don't know i know there's like all these different strands and stuff this is how uneducated i am on the whole thing and obviously i had the strand that didn't agree with me because i was hearing crazy things <laughs> like i went to into the bathroom and like the fan the exhaust fan oh, was on yeah. and i thought there was children in there like i could hear children's <laughs> laughter <laughs> i couldn't sleep i'm like this is horrible like i'm more yeah. anxious now than if i would have just drank totally i know and i think that's the the substitution the bargaining phase i i like to think of getting sober in the stages of grief so there's denial and anger, and then there's bargaining, of course, where you're trying to swap out one for for another because uh, I was so pissed that I had to give up drinking. Yeah. Weed like, advice. Well, yeah. And I was like, well, um, you know, weed is is legal. It was, le- mm-hmm. it was legal in California even at that time back in 2015 if you had, if you were 21, right? And- I don't know. It's just like, uh, it's socially acceptable in Southern California. And um, it seems like people I knew enjoyed it, but uh, my body was like, Daniel, I, we already told you <laughs> that we are done with substances. I don't understand what you don't understand. Yeah. Clean it up. Clean it up. That mm-hmm. was before I crash landed, but it was in the phase of like in between trying not to drink, trying to smoke weed instead, like oh, the worst. Yeah. I, yeah, but Absolutely. it's like it's like a starter pack. It's part of the process. I, I 
guarantee you everyone listening to this is like, oh, yep, me too. Yeah. Or maybe they're doing that right now on 14. Yeah, they're probably sucking <laughs> a Jolly Rancher being like, oh, I'm going to get real high and fucking whatever. Oh, Good for you. Learn I, your lesson. Yeah. Or, or I, don't, you know, do it. Do you do you. Hey, maybe it'll work for them. I don't know. But it. I'm with you. My, I was like, no, hard yeah. no. No, and no. like I said, I tried it a few more times because I learned of the strands because then a friend was like, oh, you t- you did the wrong strand. Try this. This is more chill. That's what you need. Still, I didn't like the way I felt. I just. Well, that's like people who are like, well, I, I just can't drink tequila. I get crazy <laughs> on tequila. And I'm like, yeah, but if you drink vodka, it's still alcohol, you yeah. know? And yeah. it, it drives me crazy when people are like that, that, that was the tequila. No, no, no. That was you. Getting mm-hmm. really fucked up, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, although there's certain alcohols I could not drink, but and I guess maybe there's truth to that. Certain alcohols are worse for people or have a different effect, effect. on people. Yeah, but it's the same thing with like the whole strain of marijuana mm-hmm. and like types mm-hmm. of drink. Like you know, instead of saying, "Wow, that was a really hard experience," you should not smoke marijuana. They're just like, "Oh, just pick try a different strand." Yeah, yeah. Kind of like, don't drink tequila, just try vodka instead. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but or how many times how about do you just don't? But how do many times? Yeah, like even with drinking, though, like switching it up, thinking that that might be the problem. Oh, I know. I know. Oh, that's I'm just going to drink wine. That's why I was now, like, I'm just, I'm... I'm just going to drink wine because um, I drink so much more of it and, and it will take me longer and there's less alcohol in it. And yeah, okay, but then I would drink just gallons of it yeah me too just gallons buy the double bottles like whatever those things are called mm-hmm. so gross box oh yeah you know mm-hmm. it's you know you're getting in deep when you have to buy the box because the box tells tells no stories no one knows how much is in the box right yeah and if you get really crafty you can actually like put stuff in the box to make it feel heavier yes on top of the bag that's pretty much empty Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But don't tell anyone I told you that. No. Follow this podcast for more tips. That's right. Um. Yeah. I. I okay. Well, let's move on from the. All right. Let's go. Four, the four twenty. Got you. But I love that you. You did the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about having these conversations. There's so much comfort. You know, like yeah, yeah. I mean, the, stru- like, the, the, the struggle bus is real mm-hmm. and it's big, and there's mm-hmm. plenty of room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it keeps getting bigger, honestly. Yeah, it's definitely having um an expansion, which is nice. Love it. More socially acceptable, and mm-hmm. and a lot more. I mean, even in the last eight and a half years that I've been sober, I feel like the social acceptability has exponentially changed. Um, Mm -hmm. and more, I would say in the female demographic, there's a lot of, you know, chatter with that rightfully. So yeah, with the mom wine culture, et Mm. cetera. Um, and now more, there's not as many of us men talking about sobriety, I don't think. Um, but it, but it's certainly being spoken about. Yeah. Well, that's why I appreciate you coming on here because I, I've only interviewed one other guy for my podcast. There's not a lot that I have women reach out to me every day wanting to share their story. Right. I don't know. It must just be a thing. I don't know where guys just kind of want to keep it to themselves. I don't know, but I just. Well, yeah, there's a lot of ego there and, Mm -hmm. and ego is the enemy as we know. And they don't want to talk about it, but more than that, like they're just the percentage of, of men that quit versus women that quit is significantly less. I mean, women Mm -hmm. are much more likely to go to therapists. They're much more likely to reach out for help, uh, to have self-efficacy, self-awareness. Um, men we're, we're just not as likely. And I didn't start, I didn't start, um, talking about sobriety, I mean, I've been on Instagram or I've been on TikTok, I guess, maybe two years tops. And I didn't start talking about sobriety for after six months. So maybe like a year and a half, I've been talking about sobriety on TikTok and that's it. 
So for six, seven years, I didn't even talk about being sober. I only posted content about being an educator and teenagers and mental health. Oh. And that was all mental health, all mental health. Um, so where you did know, you get is, your support from up until then? I mean, I had support. I just didn't, I just didn't talk about it. I just didn't, I, I, when I started, I don't even, I was going to go back and look at what my first TikTok was about sobriety. Cause I don't remember what it was, but yeah. it was not when I started TikTok, it was not to talk about sobriety. It was just okay. like, okay, I'm going to take the same thing I'm saying on Instagram and move it over to TikTok and just kind of grow, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. see what happens. And at some point there was a shift where I talked about it and it got good feedback. And I was like, you know, it feels good to talk about this on TikTok because I don't talk about it on Instagram. So then I just started and that's what I've talked about kind of ever since. Well, I'm glad you do. Well, thank you. I mean, yeah. TikTok is is a weird, wild place, but it's been it's been quite the adventure for sure. I just um, started watching TikToks again. I took a long break. Yeah, I don't consume as many. I still produce several a day. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't consume a lot of TikTok. I'll be I'm honest. I'm a consumer. You are. I'm a consumer. Yeah. I'm more of a. I produce a lot mm-hmm. of content compared to how much I consume. Yeah, I have a hard time making reels and stuff. I don't know. It's like, why? I don't know. I just, it takes me so long. I, I think it's the perfectionist thing and I'm definitely working on that. Um, but I just, yeah, it's just a struggle. Yeah. I don't edit really or anything. I just yeah. say what I just say what I'm going to say and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, you know, well, everyone that I talk to that are like you that just, you know, they're putting them out. That's every, that's what they all say. Oh, it takes me like three minutes. I don't even edit. I just, I get an idea. I record it and I throw it out there and I'm like, oh, okay. Well I plan for like a day and then I find the right audio and then I find the right outfit. And then I'm yeah, that's too much. And then I'm like, oh, I don't like it. It's just, I gotta, I gotta come at it at a different angle. And I, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I think that's part of the growth curve of, mm-hmm. of, Sobriety too is just giving less fucks. Like who cares? Yeah. yeah. Who cares what people think? I mean, That's I want, true. I like, it's nice to be liked. It's mm-hmm. nice to be appreciated. Mm-hmm. But if people aren't chirping at you, if they're not coming for you, if they're not talking shit about you, then you're not, your message isn't polarizing enough to be effective. Yeah. In yep. my opinion. No, I agree with you. Yeah. I, I actually have been thinking lately, I really need to start ruffling some more feathers. Yeah, you might. It's it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I used to get really triggered about negative comments and, and sometimes I do, but I used to reply to them, like video reply mm. to ne- mm-hmm. them. And I don't do that anymore. I just block and bless. I don't give people yeah. airtime. Um, you, it's one strike and you're out really. Yeah. You know, I just don't, the world is gigantic. TikTok is gigantic. Mm-hmm. And I, if you don't like me, I don't, I just don't care because we don't know each other. And if we do know each other and you're behaving this way, we no longer know each right. other, you know? Right. So yeah. either way I'm, I'm over it. Yeah. And that's part of the boundaries of sobriety is just not tolerating people, places, things, events, hobbies, any bullshit that's going to interfere with my wellness. Yeah. Yeah. Period. Period. You know, yep talking about relationships. Cause I know that's a big hang up for people in early sobriety. Like I've had people, I mean, that's probably like the biggest question people ask me, like, what is it, what does it look like for your relationships? And I'm not talking just marital or partner. Right. I'm talking like friends, yeah. all of that. How did that transpire for you? Like, did you, um, I'm, I'm guessing you had like your drinking buddies. Yeah. I had drinking friends and mm-hmm. But most of my drinking was super isolative, you know, okay. um, I would, I would appropriately drink in a public setting. So if it was a happy hour or a party or dinner, I would drink on par with what was socially acceptable, but I would drink mathematically before and after. So I could get the correct kind of drunk. Ooh. Um, mm-hmm. So it was very isolative when I stopped drinking. Um, I was so busy with work anyways that I wasn't being really social at that point so I didn't like dramatically lose a bunch of friends because I had already kind of stopped going out um as I was drinking more I was isolating more 
but I will say that friendships definitely shifted and I really don't onboard any new friends who are heavy drinkers. I don't onboard any new people into my life who have drinking as a priority. My wife still drinks. I have friends that drink. I don't care if you drink, it, it, but it just can't be the number one thing that you, mm-hmm. if, that, mm-hmm. if you're leading with alcohol, if I walk into your house and you have like a, like a live, laugh, love type sign, <laughs> but having to do with alcohol up, like you're off the list, you know, uh, right. n- and no offense because home yeah. goods is wonderful, but like, <laughs> I just don't. Like, I'm just not into the whole, like, tiki fucking bar culture aesthetic. Yeah. So. I know. I had to get rid of all that shit. Yeah, and I think that's part of... I, I had all I, that I, in my house. Oh, f- same. Like, I had, like, the wine fridge and, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to make a bulletin board out of corks and fucking yeah. all of this bullshit. Like, um, <laughs> making, like, a coffee table out of beer bottle caps yeah. that I crushed. You know, all of it. I've done I'm all of it. I'm going to be crafty. Guilty as charged. This is like mm-hmm. pre Etsy. This is just fucking like getting <laughs> fucking drunk, anxious self something to do, um, and definitely didn't um, mean to sound judgy there. I just I don't. No, mean, not at all. Because I agree with you. I'm, I I just used don't to lead be... relationships that I just no. don't onboard new people, and so then without onboarding new people that have lead with alcohol, mm-hmm. the people that are still heavy in it have sort of shown themselves out of the arena or I have shown myself out of their arena and there has been no judgment, no bad blood. I would still say hello to them. If I saw them, perhaps we follow each other on social media. Perhaps we don't. Um, very organic, very few relationships were like crash and burn. Mm-hmm. But in, in my sober group that I run, I mean, there are a lot of people that have experienced some significant fallout and this is, I'm going to, I'm making a generalization based on gender, but this is more so with the girls, Mm -hmm. the females, the women than the men um, Mm -hmm. where their girlfriends get pissed at them or stop inviting them or like, why did you, why did you tell Heather first when I'm closer with you, Shannon, you know, like, and it just turns into this whole fucking thing about that has nothing to do with alcohol and everything to do with, with drama. Drama. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, um, my, my experience was a little different because I didn't drink in isolation. I actually surrounded myself. I chose people who were drinking just as much or more than I was. Okay. Some were even drinking more than me. And that was intentional yeah. too, looking back. Because oh, it made, 100%. It made me I, feel a little better. Like, oh, I, I'm not like her over there. So yeah, the she's definitely got a problem. So yeah, I lot. I mean... I mean, don't get me wrong. I went out and I was social, but I just, um, and our friends, our a couple of friends were like people that would drink a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, they still do sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely had to take a time out from yeah. some of our like original friends when mm-hmm. we first moved to California, um, mm-hmm. that we're still friends with now and our kids are all the same age and everything. But as we've gotten older, what I realized though, is like, I was, I'm like, everyone drinks so much. And really it was me. It was me. I was the one that was drinking so much. No one else was drinking as much as I thought they were in my brain with the the close friends that we still have yeah. now. I'm like, God, there's like, everyone just gets so fucked up. Um, no, no, no. That's me. That was me. <laughs> I'm the problem. So what That's happened me. with. Yeah, it's like a Taylor Swift song. So what yeah. what did you do with your friendships? How did you manage that? We moved away. No, <laughs> kind I of. Know. Honestly, right? <laughs> so we we live five hours away from family, and what we we've, we've kind of done is in our old neighborhood, we just became because we like to drink at home because it's cheaper, and the amount that my husband and I were drinking, um, okay. it was a lot cheaper to do that. It's a lot safer. No one has yeah, to worry about totally. driving and and more all of that. So we just kind of like recruited all the neighbors. Yeah. And we all you became a party house. Yeah. And we all became really good friends and enabled our alcoholism basically is what happened. And we moved out of that neighborhood before I got sober, but I wanted to move out of that neighborhood because it was kind of when I started to realize that drinking was getting, I couldn't keep up anymore is kind of where right. I was at. I didn't 
ever think I would ever go, get sober. I always thought I could be a normal drinker someday, but yeah, as right. you know, moderate. That, yeah, that never happened. But it was the first step. Um, we moved out of the neighborhood. Like we had to. And it, at the time, it wasn't the reason, but in the back of my mind, it was right. the reason. And Are you still friends with any of those people? A few. And it's bad over there. Like we're talking um, DUIs, people losing their jobs, divorces, and it's all because alcohol is just like every single problem that they all have is alcohol. And it's like Groundhog Day. It's the same drama and the same bullshit over and over and over and over. My husband and I are just like, it's like we like lit the neighborhood on fire and then we left. Right. Like you said, you're like, have fun, bitches. I'm like, oh, shit. What did we do? Is your husband sober? No. He is definitely working on himself as far as I I would say my husband's in the I think I can moderate phase. Got it. So he does these big long like breaks yeah and then he'll try and then he's like shit you know like he can't <laughs> stop yeah yeah like he hasn't his last the last time he drank as of right now was um saint patrick's day got it and that was like i'm just gonna go after work and have a couple mm. and that was at how, how did three, that work out and he didn't get home till like midnight so oh yeah yeah, and, and I think St. Patrick's Day was on a Friday this, mm-hmm. this year, sure was. so it was like double trouble, mm-hmm. double trouble. But I give him mad props, honestly. Like everyone, like you, you know, you even said this is everyone's journey is so different. Everyone's right. reasons are different. Everyone's like rock bottom or or wait or whatever wakes them up is different. And I mean, when we're on this topic of relationships, I mean, that's what I always tell people too. I'm like, you got to just. Be the light, but don't sit there and like pressure them and 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 like. Oh yeah, no, I know? don't. I don't walk around with a whistle, being like, Mm-mm. "You have a problem." I right. actually don't. It's funny is that I don't like to talk about being sober in my day to day life. In, in fact, I find it sort of irritating um, if I'm at a party or a restaurant mm-hmm. or out with friends or and somebody wants to corner me and ask me a yeah. bunch of questions about their cousin Billy or whatever. And I'm fucking like, I'm just trying to have some social time. Right. Um, you can listen to the pod, watch TikTok, book an appointment. But like, I definitely know that for me, when people realize I wasn't coming for their alcohol, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. meaning I'm like, that the tension was great, greatly diminished. And also when I was not so fixated, a lot of my fixation on other people's drinking was still in my own denial, right? Like I was fixated that they were still drinking because I was still pissed that I couldn't. I don't give a shit if you drink or not. Do a keg stand, mom. Like, go for it. <laughs> um, go for it. Be the cool mom at college. Your kids go to the school in the South and you're going to do a keg stand at mom's weekend. Yeah. Go ahead, Brenda. Fucking light Knock it up. Yourself but up. I don't care. Like, I don't care. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to mm-hmm. judge you. It's not my business. Yeah, I really don't believe people can change until they really critically want to for themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can try to quit drinking for someone else, but you can't get sober unless you really want to. Right. I know. I'm. I'm. I'm starting to get over. I'm 16 months sober, just shy of 16 months sober, and I. Not. I don't like just that shit. I'm sorry. 16 months sober. That's right. That's a lot. That's a lot of months, and that's a lot of days. It's a lot, lot of, of months. So I'm just being just, I'm only. I know, and I still have issues with people drinking, and it's not, it's not like because I want to tell them not to drink. It's it's a it's an actual like concern, like I'm concerned for their health. Like it's just who I am. Like now right. that I know, what I know, right. That's where it bothers me. But it's not like I'm going up to them and going like, oh, my God, don't drink. Like, do you know what it could be doing to you? But that's the internal when I'm around people that are drinking. And I still struggle with that because. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've had to, me totally, to, I've had to totally let it go. I know. But you if if your long term goal is sustained recovery, mm-hmm. you surround yourself with people who have a similar mindset mm-hmm. and you don't spend your emotional equity on people who don't. Right. Um, you can't save everyone. Mm-hmm. You can do it. You can have a great platform, a great podcast. You can put yourself out there, but um, 
I discovered a lot of my shit was um, when people would behave a certain way. I yeah, do I get annoyed with drunk people mm. for sure? Who doesn't? You know, when I like, was annoyed talking, when like, I was drunk. Yeah, like they're talking like one centimeter from my face, <laughs> shouting, um, swaying, t- telling me Repeating. about repeating. Yeah, I'm just like God. We just fucking met. Mm. Um, but it would bring up a lot of shame in me. It would remind me of things of drunk me like, Oh God, I used to do that. I used to be that way. So my anger toward others was really anger toward myself Mm -hmm. um, because I could see my history in their, in their current state of being basically. So, wow. Yeah. That's probably exactly why I'm, because that's why I, I, when I quit, I mean, that was my biggest thing is like, that's what turned me off to alcohol, turned me off to alcohol was knowing what I was like, I was self-harming myself, you know, self-harm. Yeah, it, is so, it was it causing is the anxiety. I was having health issues and shit. Like it's definitely that's deep, so, Daniel. It, that's deep. Honestly, <laughs> you got me thinking like, obviously then that's why disguised I have a as self-medication. Yeah. That's obviously why I look at people that way now, because that's how I see see my my own relationship. Maybe. With alcohol. I mean, it could be. I mean, you're, but that's not to diminish that you are a compassionate person and that right. you care about other people's wellness. There's certainly people who are su- super close to me that I wish in my mind that would quit drinking. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, just like your average person, I I could give a shit. That yeah. And whatever you yeah. do, you. Um, and even people that I'm close with, like if that's what they want to do, that's their choice. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. as it's my choice to not drink, I don't want them, I don't want to have to keep explaining why I am not drinking. So I'm not going to put it on them to explain to me why they are drinking. Um, the law of attraction exists, I believe. People will reach out and they'll ask me. And I've had other friends quit. My parents quit drinking after I did. My aunt and uncle quit drinking after I did. Oh, like wow. there's been a, a ripple. Um, but not because of me necessarily, but just, I just do think there is some organic attraction that people get curious about and they don't do it. If you're going to sober splain them, they do it. If you are just going to like be comfortable and confident and keep moving in your own sober journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My dad actually just quit smoking. And he's smoked, he's 70 and he's smoked all his life. Right. Since he was, I mean, they started smoking young back in the day. Yeah, I'm sure they did. We kind of did too, but, (laughs) (laughs) but he, um, yeah. And you know, he called and he was so proud and he was telling me about it. He, uh, read that book by Alan Carr. Yeah. And he said it just shifted something in his head. But one thing he said to me was, I thought, you know, if Steph can get sober, I can quit smoking. Exactly. You know, that was never my intention of getting sober was so my dad would quit smoking. But, it, but you're that's right. That's the like, ripple effect. Yeah. It is the ripple effect. And now my brother quit smoking. See? Hey. And those are the kinds of organic changes that are really powerful and proof that you don't need a platform. You don't need to be anything to anyone other than just be like have integrity to yourself, mm-hmm. to your own personal goals. Mm-hmm. hold boundaries mm-hmm. don't sober splain i think yeah. sober splaining if you is like the worst thing you can do if you start rattling off statistics about fucking liver and bullshit mm-hmm. and, and if you say the word enzymes in a sentence to somebody who's drinking i want you to go take a cold shower and calm the fuck down okay unless you're unless you are a like a clinician and they have come to see you or you are a doctor if you say the word enzymes i'm gonna fucking i'm gonna put you in the shower you need to calm down Enzymes. I don't think I've ever. I, I'm not that scientific. Or when or, I explain or, le- or levels. Like how are your how are your lift how are your levels with your labs or you know just like no no. Oh my gosh! Unless it's an answer to a question, the answer is no. Right. I'm just being. I'm just being silly. Everyone, sorry. I love it. People the are gonna be like, "Who is this guy?" The humor. The humor of it all. Yeah. The whole thing is wild. It is. It's it's wild. It's exciting. It's like crazy. I don't know. I, I think though, like the biggest, the biggest takeaway on this conversation is the whole anxiety thing, really, for me and for you and anybody that has anxiety and 
I mean, just dive into your relationship with alcohol. Yeah, I think the only way to know is to do. So I think people often think that sober curiosity is thinking about quitting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's contemplation. Yeah, it's sober sober curiosity. Yes, is is experimenting with sobriety like you did with with drugs and alcohol. So Mm -hmm. like living long enough without it to see the difference is Mm -hmm. actually how you know. And then once you have your information, you can make an informed decision about what you want to do. And the foreverness of it really stops people. The permanency of it stops people from even trying because they're like, I can't do this forever. Well, no one's asking you to do that. Mm-mm. Just fucking do it long enough to see the difference mm-hmm. and then continue to see if you like it or not. Right. See if it's worth it. And yeah, and I don't I don't know any people who are like, you know what? Getting sober was the worst decision I ever made. <laughs> not know, a I, single person. No. No one. Zero people. Zero. I know people that, you know, get sober and then go back out, but then they come back and they're like, you know, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah. Shouldn't have done that. But I don't know the reverse. Yeah. yeah like, I don't either. Yeah. So there, I don't think there's any like um, anti-sober influencers, really, you no. know, <laughs> like rooting against it, <laughs> which would be an interesting take. You know, that might be a it hot would. market. I'd like to hear what they'd have to say, though. I would bet you they wouldn't say the word enzyme. <laughs> <laughs> so. Oh, my gosh. All right. On that note. All right. I, well, thank you. Thank you. This was fun. Yes. Yeah, I knew it great. would be. I mean, like I said, I feel like I was in an advantage. I already knew what to expect. Like, I just oh, I Lord. love I love your banter. I love the way you talk about things like all of it. Just keep keep being you. And I'm going to take note on that. And I'm going to start coming into myself a little bit more even if it does piss people off i'm gonna just start being stuff like that's what i intended to do and that's what i'm gonna do yeah there's no one else there's only one you so be it thank you for listening to the podcast today remember i am just a woman on a mission to normalize sobriety and living a sober lifestyle i am not a licensed therapist or a doctor Please, if alcohol is causing serious physical or mental health issues, seek professional help. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to hit follow so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, leaving a five-star review will help this podcast reach more people like you in the sober community. It's an easy way to spread the word in normalizing a sober lifestyle. You should never feel alone in sobriety, so feel free to reach out to me via email or through my Instagram account at thisisstephsober. Links to both are listed in the show notes.